Welcome to the African American Museum of Southern Arizona podcast. Richard Davis got a story to tell about his uncle and namesake, Richard Davis, the Howard Institute graduate and the one of the original Tuskegee Airmen. You may know Howard Institute by its new name, Howard University, the esteemed HBCU, historically black college and university. Please listen, share, and discuss with your folks and give the African American Museum of Southern Arizona podcast a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Richard Davis. Now I know you can't see me and I can't see you, but I know those of you that have not met me before and have not heard this audio uh, have some questions. And those questions include, who are you? Why are you here? And why should we listen to you? Well, I'm gonna use those questions as a basis for my conversation with you today. And I'm going to take them up and let's start with uh, why am I here? Well, I'm here to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story about a group of men, and three in particular, that were willing to risk and give their lives to defend and protect the country that they wanted so desperately to be a part of. And I don't have a script. And I'm going to go through this and it may appear like I'm rambling from time to time, but I think we'll get through it. And, and please bear with me as we go along. Let me start out by asking the question of who am I? I'm Richard Davis. I don't have a middle initial. I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. My parents were James and Rosa Davis, and they had six kids. And from the time I was about six to nine years old, I uh, had this burning desire to be a pilot. And I didn't know why, because at the time I didn't know any pilots. I had never been in a plane. And quite frankly, the only plane I'd ever seen was one flying overhead as I had walked around a plane in Coconut Grove in Miami, Florida. But then for whatever reason, I would have this burning desire, like I said, to be a pilot. And every time somebody asked me, well, what are you gonna be when you grow up? Question asked a lot of young people. And I always would respond, I want to be a pilot. And I couldn't tell them why. And then one day I remember going to, uh, uh, on a field trip to Miami International Airport. And I remember sitting in the cockpit of a plane and I said to my classmates, and anybody else ever listen, hey, look, I, I can fly this thing. Now, no one laughed, no one said you're crazy, but I honestly felt I could fly that plane and I didn't know why. And then when I graduated from high school, I decided that I'm going to go into the Air Force instead of go to college at that time. And there are a lot of reasons for that. But one of the most important reasons was that I had this burning desire to fly. And I thought the Air Force could provide that opportunity. And I thought that I'd go into the Air Force. I learned the business from the ground up. I become a ground crew. I would become a, a, a navigator. And then I worked my way into the cockpit. And so I joined the Air Force right out of high school. And then I went to... Uh, uh, different places, and I spent the last part of my tour at Davis Mountain Air Force Base. Now, by then, for whatever reason, my desire to become a pilot had waned, and I felt, gee whiz, that's not what I'm going to do the rest of my life. So I went to, uh, I, I was discharged from the Air Force in August of 1965, and I started at the University of Arizona uh, in September 1965. I got my undergraduate degree in 1969, and then went to law school and got my law degree in 1972, and I've been practicing law in Tucson ever since. But then in 1970, 1975 or so, my wife and I made a trip back to Washington, D.C., and we went to the Smithsonian Institute, the aerospace section of the museum run by the Smithsonian. And while I was there, I saw a picture 
a picture that was entitled the original pilots of the 99th Pursuit Squadron. And that's the first time I saw that picture. It was bigger than life, hanging from a wall. And I didn't know, I had never seen that picture before, but I recognized an individual in that picture. He was a man standing in the back row. I counted six from the left and four from the right. And I looked up and his name was Richard Davis, Lieutenant Richard Davis from Fort Valley, Georgia. And I said to myself, I know that man. I'd seen his picture before, but I hadn't seen it in that form. And I realized that he was my uncle. And at that point, I went down to the gift shop and I tried to buy the picture, but the picture was not available. And so I, I started from that time on trying to put together some information to figure out who was this Richard Davis, this original, one of the original pilots of the 99 Pursuit Squadron. Like I said, he was my uncle. I'd never met him. As a matter of fact, he was killed uh, very early on. His plane went down. He died serving his country. But he helped put all this together. And I had to burn his eye now to find out all about him. And that's what this story is all about, the story about Richard Davis. And all through the years, I've been putting information together. And let me tell you a little something about it. Uh, Richard Davis, Lieutenant Richard Davis, was born in Fort Valley, Georgia in 1918. He was the fifth of 17 children born to Henry and Alberta Davis. And you can imagine that with 17 kids, they had to do a lot of work and they worked, they lived on a farm. The, um, uh, uh, as I'm told that uh, they raised uh, they, everything that they ate. They grew or they raised or they did whatever, but this is a family of 17, they had to make it go. Now, Richard um, obviously had to work with all the rest of them. And he got used to being in the ground, working with seeds and other things, but there was something that they needed to help them out because they could plant the seeds. They could toil the soil. Uh, they could do a lot of different things, but they needed help to keep the pests away. So they relied on people that we call crop dusters. And when he was six to nine years old, Richard would watch the planes fly by and he became fixated with them. And the family noticed that because Richard started asking questions. What is that thing called the airplane? He started asking questions like, how does it fly? And what do you have to do to fly one? And he started working with the people who the uh, uh, crop dusters. And before long, he was learning how to put these things together and he was learning how to fly. Because unbeknownst to the family, Richard had managed to do a few things and have them help him get up and he was actually flying. And as a matter of fact, by the time he was 16, I'm told he was already a pretty accomplished pilot. And he would be up there flying sometimes, dusting, uh, the family's working down below and they didn't even know he was up there. He wouldn't dare tell his mom because his mom would let him fly. But by 16, I'm told he was an accomplished pilot. So when Richard graduated from high school in 1936, this is Lieutenant Richard Davis. He was an excellent student. He was an outstanding athlete. He was an accomplished farmer. He was an experienced pilot. And I'm told above all that, he was an outstanding human being. And in 1936, after graduating from high school, he went to Hampton Institute. Uh, Hampton uh, is now Hampton University in Hampton, Virginia. And uh, while at Hampton, he took a full load, college classes. He also played football, war number 44. Uh, and he participated in now a civilian pilot program that was run in Hampton. There were six colleges, black colleges that had this type of program. So Richard could hone his ability to fly and he flew a lot. 
So after Hampton, he went to work for an outfit called the Robertson Aircraft Corporation. Now Robertson uh, had a field in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and they flew passengers, they flew the U.S. mail, they did a lot of different things, and Richard worked for them. He flew for them, he did a lot of different things for them, and, and just as a side note, Robinson Aircraft Corporation, through mergers and other things, eventually became American Airlines, but that's, that's a story for another day. But he was doing all of this stuff when in 1940, they heard a, a call for an experiment being done down in Tuskegee. Here's a short intermission in Richard Davis's story about his uncle, Richard Davis, and the Tuskegee Airmen on the African American Museum of Southern Arizona podcast. We got a story to tell. Make sure you subscribe and share and discuss these stories with your folks. Learn with us, shop with us. And just as a side note, the Robinson Aircraft Corporation, through mergers and other things, eventually became American Airlines. But that's, that's a story for another day. But he was doing all of this stuff when in 1940, they heard a, a call for an experiment being done down in Tuskegee. And I refer to it as an experiment because there were a lot of people out there saying, we're talking about African-Americans flying planes. We're talking about African-Americans becoming fighter pilots. And there are people out there saying, my God, you know, they're not capable. They, they don't have the mental or the physical capability of doing that. Notwithstanding the fact that Richard and other African-Americans have been flying for quite some time. Nevertheless, uh, Richard decided that this is something he's going to try. And he decided to uh, uh, leave Robinson and go to work for him. And when he went down to Tuskegee, uh, he was already a pilot. He was already a lot of different things. But what happened in essence was this. Like I said, it was an experiment. And there were people who were actually trying to uh, discourage the, the Roosevelt's and other people from putting this program together. And they did everything they could to sabotage it. But Richard and others would not have it because one of the things that they did was they said, you know, this, it was competition was keen. These are all college graduates that got into this class initially. They had to take tests. They were scrutinized like you would not believe. And as a matter of fact, they did so well that some people decided that, doggone it, they couldn't have scored that high. They're, after all, they're black. And they could not have done as well, and therefore we're going to retest them. And when they retest them, they did just as well the second time around. And so what happened in essence was that a group of men appeared at Tuskegee around 1941, and they put together a group and I think you're going to find, hopefully you'll see a picture eventually of the original pilots of the 99th Pursuit Squadron. And that's the picture that I saw when I went to the Smithsonian. That's the picture that I saw. And, and there were 29 men included. Actually, 25 are, are, are shown and four that are not shown. But if you look at that picture, and I hope you all will, will see it when you see part of this deal, that, is that uh, they're all listed there, each of them. These were men who were considered the criminal crop. I mean, they were all college graduates. Uh, they had all tested unbelievably on mental tests. They passed all type of physical deal, and they were actually the cream of the crop. Now, I went down the list, and, and I made a, I was careful to point something out here because these men came from uh, 18 states and, and the District of Columbia. There were 29 of them. And like I said, my uncle was one of them. It's Richard Davis. I told you he was killed very early on, but I think you'll find he was killed in a plane doing the thing that he liked doing most, which was flying and serving his country. And as it turns out, the reason I introduced myself this way is this, because of this. Uh, I was the first 
male born to the family after he died. My dad, of course, was his older brother. And I got the name Richard. That's how I became Richard Davis. And I always am proud to say to folks that I'm Richard, no middle initial Davis, but I'm here to represent my uncle, which was an original member of the Tuskegee Airmen who was an unbelievable uh, individual. Now, I, I will tell you that uh, it, it's one of those things that you ask yourself, well, why should you listen to me? Well, it, it's, it's very simple. Uh, I'm going to tell you a few things that you're not going to get from the history books. And oral history is very, very, very important because I never met my uncle. But I know about him. I know about him because of what my family and other people told me. And I can tell you the things that I tell you because I lived it. And I say to a whole bunch of people that, gee whiz, I can't tell you why I wanted to be a pilot. I couldn't at least a few years ago, but I do know now. I wanted to be a pilot because I wanted to be like my uncle. And I can tell you that if I had to do a story again of Tuskegee Airmen, because people have heard all kinds of stories and seen all kinds of movies, but there's one I would love to tell. And that's the story of those 29 men, that original group that got together and all the sacrifices and the problems that they had to go through in order to become the men that they wanted to become. And, and one of the things that I think is, is very important to me is to talk about what happened to those guys and, and, and how important it is to really talk about what they're all about and what they were able to accomplish. And I say that because part of it is, 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 is really history. You know, Marcus Garvey was once said that uh, a person without knowledge of their past history, origin, and culture is like a tree without roots. And, and I believe that. And what I'm saying to you is that we have roots and I have roots. And the Tuskegee Airmen were a root, a part of that root that left the anchor that I think has been a, a foundation for African-American development all through the years. And, and it's something that's very dear to me and something I should think about. For example, you know, we, we talk about a lot of different things through the years about uh, things that we've accomplished, sayings and so forth. And I can tell you that a lot of that came from Tuskegee Airmen because I had the pleasure once I started getting into this of talking to some men who served as Tuskegee Airmen, some who lived in Arizona. For example, Lincoln Ragsdale out of Phoenix was a Tuskegee Airmen. Lincoln is gone now. Uh, Vernon Hayward, who lived here in Tucson, was a Tuskegee Airman. I talked to these folks. And I talked to some all across the country and I communicated with them. And here's some of the things that I learned, which again, you won't find in a history book. And it's something like this. They had a creed, they had a belief, they had a, uh, 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 I, I don't know how to phrase it, but here's what I can tell you. They believed that none of us is ready until we're all ready. I mean, we've heard it said before and all this and other, but they lived it. Because I'm told that, you know, when, when people thought they were sleeping and, and they, they, they uh, you know, were, were supposed to be resting and, and, and not doing a lot of different things. They were down in the basement at night with flashlights going over maneuvers because you know as well as I do that if you have 29 people, some will get it easy, some won't get it. But the thing was this, no one has got it until we've all got it. And that was the creed of the, of the Tuskegee Airmen. And that's the kind of thing that I think we can learn from this part of history that you're not gonna get from the history book because what they said in essence, we're gonna go down in this basement with the flashlights and we're gonna learn. And none of us is ready, none of us is on top of our game until we all are. You know, you've heard the saying, leave no man behind. They lived it. 
and, and I, I, I think that that is kind of uh, the, the, the thing that I get from saying to you that, uh, you know, the, the, the bottom line is that uh, these men were exceptional. Now, a lot of people have come after them. A lot of people have, have uh, 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 you know, heard about the Tuskegee Airmen and they've done a lot of different things. But I think it's very important to talk about that first group. And that's why I wanted to to you know talk about this and why I wanted to talk about my uncle because you know the, the bottom line is this I now know why I wanted to be a pilot. I wanted to be a pilot because when I was growing up my dad and those other 16 kids you know uh, born to and raised by Henry in Alberta would talk about their brother and how exceptional he was and I never met him but I want to be like, you know, some people say they want to be like Mike. I want to be like Richard. And it just goes to show you that, you know, people listen. And, and not only do they listen, but things happen. And, and, and oh, by the way, um, he didn't live like some of the others to, to get the benefit of shooting down jets and all that. But he helped to get the group there. And he was doing what he was doing when he was shot down. And my uncles and aunts would tell me, you know, Richard, it's not important how long you live, but what you accomplish while you're there. And so I, I look at him and I say to myself, uh, uh, an unbelievable student, an exceptional pilot, one who loved this country so much he's willing to give his life for it. And then that is the epitome of what went on. And then that's where I come from. And that's why I'm proud to, to stand before you and, and talk to you about the Tuskegee Airmen and about uh, my uncle, Richard Davis. The other thing is, Here's a short intermission in Richard Davis's story about his uncle, Richard Davis, and the Tuskegee Airmen on the African-American Museum of Southern Arizona podcast. We got a story to tell. Make sure you subscribe and share and discuss these stories with your folks. Learn with us. Shop with us. And then that is the epitome of what went on. And then that's where I come from. And that's why I'm proud to, to stand before you and talk to you about the Tuskegee Airmen and about uh, my uncle, Richard Davis. The other thing is, they had a togetherness. Uh, and like I said before, leave no man behind. We're not ready. No one's ready until we're all ready. The education was key. They were confident. Can you imagine uh, trying to fly planes, risking your life every day, with people questioning your actual ability, given planes that are inferior, on, belong on a scrap pile somewhere? But they did it. And they laid the foundation for all those people that come along after them. Now, I, I, I encourage you, and I'll have a picture showing all the, who these original people were. Uh, take a look at that, because all of these men deserve the same basic credit. I'm talking about my uncle, because that's what brought my attention to this, and that's who I am, and that's what I learned most about. But like I said, I met some of these men, but they were exceptional people, and, and doggone it, it's no question as to why they succeeded. But they laid the foundation, they laid the root, that helped us become where we are today. And they've served their country unbelievably. And, and I won't go into the medals and all the other things they won because you know that. But I just wanted to give you a part of history. And like I said before, if I could do a movie, I'd do a story on those 29 men and go through the toil and turmoil and, 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 and all of the hardships that they had to go through to get there. And once they got there, how proud they were and how they carried that banner so well. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I get carried away sometimes when I do this. And I get carried away because 
you know, I, I, I'm used to cliches and we've heard them all, uh, you know, uh, we stand on the shoulders of giants. We were, they were giants. And, and I mean that literally because these were, uh, you know, men that came along and did some things. And, and if you actually go back and look at some of the things that they accomplished and some of the schools that they've gone to, and oh, by the way, some of them, like my uncle, were pilots before they ever went to Tuskegee. They didn't have to teach him to fly. They already knew how to fly. Here's a short intermission in Richard Davis' story about his uncle, Richard Davis, and the Tuskegee Airmen on the African-American Museum of Southern Arizona podcast. We got a story to tell. Make sure you subscribe and share and discuss these stories with your folks. Learn with us. Shop with us. And once they got there, how proud they were and how they carried that banner so well. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I get carried away sometimes when I do this. And I get carried away because, you know, I, I, I'm used to cliches and we've heard them all. Uh, you know, uh, we stand on the shoulders of giants. We were. They were giants. And, and I mean that literally because these were, uh, you know, men that came along and did some things. And, and if you actually go back and look at some of the things that they accomplished and some of the schools that they've gone to, and oh, by the way, some of them, like my uncle, were pilots before they ever went to Tuskegee. They didn't have to teach him to fly. They already knew how to fly. But there's an understanding there that I think is very, very, very important. And there's another lesson there. And one of the reasons I get excited about this, and I already mentioned it, but I want to mention it again. And, and that is this, you know, people talk about role models. Uh, they talk about whatever. And, and I, the lesson I learned from most uh, of all this is that, you know, I know where I come from. And I think that's what history is all about. I think we all have a history. Uh, I know what I'm all about. I know what I wanted to be. And now I can answer that question as to why I wanted to be a pilot. Why I had that burning desire at 69 years old to tell people I wanted to be a pilot? Like I said, I wanted to be like, like my uncle. And all my life, I've been hearing about Tuskegee Airmen. All my life, I've been hearing about what they've done. And all my life, I've been hearing about the family. And oh, by the way, they would tell stories. And, and, and I, I can hear some of them today. I can't tell you all of them because, quite frankly, I'd be here all night. But they trained in Tuskegee. He lived in Fort Valley. And when they would train, they would fly over Fort Valley. And he let it know it was him because he tipped his wing. Uh, and so they know that's Richard flying by. So why should you listen to me? Well, I tell a story. It's a story that, uh, like I said, you won't see in the history books. Uh, some people may not think it's as compelling as, as it can be, but I, I will tell you that that is compelling to me. And, and, and I always am marveled uh, by the... Uh, uh, men who did what these folks did under circumstances that most of us wouldn't even dream of trying anything like this. And I remember one day I was, uh, I picked up the newspaper from, from uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and Chuck Berryman, who was one of these original 29 people, was still alive, living in, uh, uh, in, in Atlanta. And just out of the blue, I called him. And we started talking. And it was just like it was old age. But they were, they were a great bunch of guys. They did whatever, and they were always willing to help, and they did something that did for our people uh, in this country that cannot be uh, uh, taken away. And, and, and I, I have to tell you that I'm proud to at least uh, have a little of that to share with you. And, and I wish that I had time to go into all of the uh, stories that I have learned and all of the material that I've gathered. But by the same token, 
the, the key to the whole thing is, is that, uh, uh, like I said, I'm here because uh, uh, my uncle was a, uh, a Tuskegee Airman uh, and he flew and he was one of the best. And he taught me, even though I never knew him, what it's like to be a human being and what it's like to have roots and like a foundation and what it's like to be uh, an African-American in this country, knowing that full well that you're gonna have obstacles, but you gotta overcome them because it's, that's the only way you're gonna survive. Now, one of the things that, that I did when I started doing all this is that, remember I told you there were 17 of them when it started out. And as time went on, uh, they started to dwindle and I didn't have all of them to talk to. Uh, but uh, uh, I learned uh, a lot of different things and I wanna provide a slightly different perspective. And, 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 and I do this for this reason. Like I said, uh, uh, you know, there was a sense of camaraderie. There was a sense of, of, of family. Uh, there was a sense of, of, of naming uh, uh, me after my uncle, which was a proud and, and, and thing that I, I, it took me years to appreciate. But there's another thing I began to appreciate. You see, everybody knows about the exploits of the pilots, and there were a lot of them. And, and, and I have a list, and I will share this with the group. Uh, of every pilot that ever earned the wings. I have it. Uh, it's a list that's printed. If you want to know who they were from the beginning to the end, where they were from, the class that they were in, the rank that they achieved, I have that list. And, and I'm going to provide that information and make it available. Uh, and there were some unbelievable people. Some of them you probably will recognize. But there's something else that I learned. Because if you only count the pilots, you're only counting part of what made the Tuskegee Airmen successful. Here's a short intermission in Richard Davis' story about his uncle, Richard Davis, and the Tuskegee Airmen on the African American Museum of Southern Arizona podcast. We got a story to tell. Make sure you subscribe and share and discuss these stories with your folks. Learn with us. Shop with us. But there's something else that I learned. Because if you only count the pilots... You're only counting part of what made the Tuskegee Airmen successful. You see, there were navigators, there were bombardiers, there were radio operators, there were uh, armorers, there were weather people, there were administrators. And I learned all that in, in trying to get more information concerning my uncle. And one of the reasons that I can tell you that <clears throat> is that one of my uncle's brothers, one of my, well, one of my other uncles, was also a Tuskegee Airman from the sense that he worked with him, but he was not a pilot, but he was a mechanic. His name was Moses Davis. And I learned that because as I'm trying to get information to make this presentation to you, and, and by the way, like I said, I, I'm gonna ramble because I don't have enough time. I didn't write out a speech for you. I wanted to stand here and just talk to you. And that's kind of what I'm doing. Uh, his name is Moses Davis. Now Moses was the number nine of the 17 kids. And he graduated from high school in Fort Valley, Georgia in 1940. And he learned at that time that his brother was a pilot flying down at Tuskegee. And his brother Richard said, uh, come on down, I'll get you a job. And by the way, the reason I know that, and I may read a little bit, but I'm going to do it because it's easier to read it to tell you the story. This what I'm reading from is a part of the uh, obituary that was written on my Uncle Moses because he's since gone. And he said he met the challenge of his brother Richard, who traveled to Tuskegee to participate in a new program that was begun to train black 
meant to become aviators. Richard said he would get him a job in the program as a mechanic. And on, on Richard's word, he went to Tuskegee, he became a mechanic, became a mass mechanic, and he became a Tuskegee Airman as a mechanic. Now, they were proud to point this out. Moses was blessed to attend the Congressional Gold Medal Ceremony in honor of the Tuskegee Airmen in the Rotunda of the United States Capitol on March 29, 20, 2007, and received his medal along with the other Tuskegee Airmen. And if you go to Fort Valley, Georgia right now, where my uncles were born and my dad were born and raised at Warner Robins Air Force Base, they have a ceremony every year where they honor Richard Davis and Moses Davis, Tuskegee Airmen. And the family turned out and it's a big deal for us. And I'm Richard. And one of my uncles, uh, you know, there were 17 of them, there are three still alive. And so I got a lot of this information that I'm looking at uh, as we speak from the only uh, male survivor, there are three surviving, two of my aunts and one of my uncles, and his name is Charlie James Davis. And we're talking about the military. Now, I learned a lot about this because I, I started talking about Tuskegee Airmen, and, and, and that's the way to go, but we're talking about the military. And what I've learned is that we have a long tradition with the military. Uh, CJ, as we call him, is still alive. His name is CJ Davis. He lived in Opelika, Florida. And you have to remember, just to show you how history, uh, you know, service. So back in 1954, I'm, I'm a youngster in grade school, elementary school, or wherever I am. Uh, CJ went over and, and fought in the Korean War. And he came back, and while I'm in high school, I noticed that his hands were disfigured. He had scars all over his body. And, and you know, he, he never tell why, except that he, he had hanging on his wall a silver star and purple hearts. And, and, you know, he wouldn't talk about it. All I know is that when I call him and I try to get information, he send me information, send me an obituary of Moses and of Richard and tell me what they've done and, and, and reiterate all the things that I've already heard and just refreshing my recollection. And then I said to myself, he got a silver star. And I go on the internet and I find Silver Star, Marine Corps, Korean War, and I ran into this. And now I see in writing some of the things that he did and how his hands became deformed and, and, and what he had to do to go through it. And that he had a, 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 his gun actually blown from his hands with a hand grenade, but he continued to fight. Here's a short intermission in Richard Davis' story about his uncle, Richard Davis, and the Tuskegee Airmen on the African American Museum of Southern Arizona podcast. We got a story to tell. Make sure you subscribe and share and discuss these stories with your folks. Learn with us. Shop with us. And, and, and what he had to do to go through it. And that he had a, 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 his gun actually blown from his hands with a hand grenade, but he continued to fight and saved a lot of lives. And it's spelled out here, and I'm not gonna read it to you, but I, I encourage you, if you get this material, to take a look at it, because it tells you why he got a, a silver star. Well, um, you know, one of the things that I, 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 I am very proud of, uh, and, and I, I wish one of these days uh, I could share it all with you, uh, I, I remember, um, uh, you know, th th there are so many stories, uh, so many stories about uh, the military, and I know there are more, but these are three of my uncles. 
<clears throat> I started out uh, saying I was going to come in and, and talk to folks about Richard and what he accomplished. Uh, and and I could, for example, spend a lot of time talking about the fact that that uh, you know when he was at Hampton Institute, uh, he wore number forty-four. He was a heck of a football player. I can tell you about the fact that he was a, uh, you know darn a straight A student. I can talk about the fact that he was uh, you know a lot of different things. I can talk about the fact that he was flying planes by the time he was sixteen years old. And we went to Hampton Institute and, and, and the type of person that, 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 that he was. I can tell you about all of those things, but in the process of doing so, I learned that I'm learning a lot about my family. And quite frankly, I, there are a few things I haven't checked out yet, but I wanted to do that because we're talking about the military. And I wanted to uh, you know, at least give you a, an idea of, of what I'm into and what I'm trying to do. And um, uh, like I said, uh, uh, I'm told now, and I appreciate even more, the fact that um, for every pilot, there were about 14 support people. And now I'm following up and I'm trying to get to an idea and appreciate more all those people that help our pilots accomplish the things that they've accomplished. Now, I, I'm not going to go into detail about what my uncle was doing and how he flew and, 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 and how his plane went down and all that, because, you know, that's something that happened. Uh, and and it, it's the reason, like I said, that I never met him. It's the reason that I got my name and, and the reason of all that. But it, it is something that I think is, is there. And, and I think people need to understand why the old topic means a, a, a heck of a lot, you know, uh, to me. Um, I uh, have been uh, trying my darndest to figure out uh, uh, a way to tell more of a story because I, I, I've seen movies. My, my son is an aspiring uh, uh, movie director and other things. And, 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 and I, I love, like I said, to, 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 to get uh, into the, 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 the mindset, the, the, the uh, uh, you know, what was actually going on back in 1940, 1941, and 1942. Uh, and, 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 and I, I you know, I, it's, it's very difficult to me to, to, to imagine uh, a, a young person working for Robertson Aircraft Company, making a decent living, who is willing to leave that, uh, to go to Tuskegee, to become a fighter pilot, knowing full well that, you know, he would put himself in, 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 in harm's way, knowing full well that he could perhaps be killed, knowing full well that you might work your way into the cockpit of a jet to fight a pilot to fight for your country, but you still can't go to diner to get something you eat. Here's a short intermission in Richard Davis' story about his uncle, Richard Davis, and the Tuskegee Airmen on the African-American Museum of Southern Arizona podcast. We got a story to tell. Make sure you subscribe and share and discuss these stories with your folks. Learn with us. Shop with us. To, 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 to get uh, into the, 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 the mindset, the, 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 uh, uh, you know, what uh, was actually going on back in 1940, 1941. And 1942, uh, and 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 I, I, you know, I, it's it's very difficult to me to 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 imagine uh, a, a young person working for Robertson Aircraft Company, making a decent living, who is willing to 
leave that, uh, to go to Tuskegee to become a fighter pilot, knowing full well that you know he would put himself in 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 in, in, in harm's way, knowing full well that he could perhaps be killed, knowing full well that you might work your way into the cockpit of a jet to fight a pilot to fight for your country, but you still can't go to Dana to get something you eat. You know, that that to me is, is something I, I have a very difficult time fathoming. And, and that's why when I talk to these men and I talk to them and, and I say to them, you know, uh, how did you do that? Why did you do that? And the answer is very simple. It's something that we had to do. We are the roots. The 99th Pursuit Squadron, these 29 men, and my proud, my uncle was one of them, was the beginning. And they laid a foundation, they laid the roots that had uh, blossomed into the legend that we call Tuskegee Airmen. And um, I, I wanted to do honor to all of those people who were not pilots and all. And then, like I said, it might, this gave me an opportunity. And to be quite honest with you, I learned some of this stuff through the years. And in one of these days, if I have time, I would really do some research and bring some things to you with some pictures because I'll tell you a story. One day uh, back in the late 1970s, or early 1980s, uh, my wife, uh, named Zuri, uh, became a link. Uh, and we had a function over in my home. Uh, and, you know, we're the air links, so air links, so connecting links with the kids and everybody. And I met a, a, a man, his name was Dan Summers. Now, some of you may remember Dan Summers. Dan lived here in town. He was a teacher, a veteran, I lived over on Edison Street. He still has a home there, his son lives here. And I ne never met Dan. And we started talking, it was one of those things where we said, uh, you know, do I know you? He asked me and I said, I don't think so. Well, where, where were you from and blah, blah, blah. And after a while, Dan looked at me and said, oh, my God. He said, you're Richard Davis. Your uncle was Richard Davis, Tuskegee Airman. And he said, I know him. I knew him because Dan was a mechanic. And he was a Tuskegee Airman. And Dan said to me, uh, you know, uh, you look like him. You talk like him. You walk like him, and that's why I said to you, I think the bottom line was, uh, I now know that all I ever wanted to be was like my uncle, like my dad. And so um, that to me is my story of Richard Davis, Tuskegee Airman. And um, that's why when people ask me what my name is, I always say Richard No Mill Initial Davis. It's just that simple. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to our first episode and please subscribe to be notified about future episodes. I got a story to tell about Southern Arizona. African Americans have a rich history in Southern Arizona, like so many places around the world. Subscribe to the podcast to hear ours. You'll hear stories about our connection to iconic figures like the Buffalo Soldiers, Tuskegee Airmen, advances in agriculture and STEM, and amazing athletes, and so much more. We're devoted to gathering and sharing stories as we document, digitize, and preserve African-American and Black life, culture, and history in Southern Arizona to benefit the community. Learn with us. Contact 
African American Museum of Southern Arizona at 520-326-1850. Email us at aamuseumofsouthernaz at gmail.com. Visit our website at aamsaz.org to learn more and donate. Hosted by Brand Anthony McDonald for awesomewebstore.com. Shop with us.